You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. So what are we doing today? We're we going to talk about the um, fall from the grace of God. Sure, let's do it. Okay, so I've prepared no questions for this. <laughs> <laughs> and me need, it doesn't matter. Let's just riff. It'll go. Okay. I'm sure it'll go, Tom. Do you prepare questions, you know, when you're at the pub with a, a new girl? Maybe you do. <laughs> or when, when we have, have a conversation anywhere on the planet. No. No, but there, there are a lot of things I want to ask you about this one, and there might be like a, a, a structured flow to it. But I think we should start off with like recapping it because some people don't even know. Oh my God, we should hide it all. You're fully happy with this, right? Because it is a deep one for you. I know talking about this, I would I'm imagine. fine. Okay. I have no feelings. <laughs> all right. So do you want to do an intro and then we'll sort of... All right. Primal Radio. We're back again. Tom, what's up, buddy? What is up? I see you have a shiner. Yeah. We do this radio show, or excuse me, podcast now, whatever you call it, and we purposely do not put it on YouTube because I often find those podcasts disturbing. You know, the camera's way too close. It's a bad angle. The guy's talking to someone in the background. He's picking his nose. So what the, our fans, our millions of fans can't see is that you have a shiner. Yes, I have a black eye for those who don't know the term shiner means. <laughs> well, they should come visit us, we'll show <laughs> I, I wish there was a great story to it. I mean, basically, I've been up in Bristol for this weekend, and we had right. a seminar, and it was it was going to be called The Cebu Connection, and Supreme Grandmaster Juni Kenyetti, who I interviewed on one of the earlier shows, yeah. can't remember the number, he was due to come over with his son, Gerald, and a few other top people like uh, Danny Hawkeye and things like that. It was going to be an amazing big event. I'm sure. Sadly, the guys couldn't organise their visa situation. So there was some humble pie consumed by Pat and Andy having to tell everyone who'd signed up that those guys wouldn't be coming. So we had a two-day seminar with Pat instead. Fortunately, everyone still bought into the idea. Only only two people dropped out as a result of those guys not coming. And we did two days stick and dagger. And what what Pat always talks about is like the stick and dagger format will expose any issues that you have. Everything about how you move, range, you know, the dagger is something that's going to kill you and right. the stick has the range. It's a lot to think about and work through anyway. So it was a, it was a fantastic sure. event. This morning, I was training with a, a brown belt guy and the sticks just kind of like flicked up, hit me in the eye and uh, here, we, here we go. They had no ice at the gym, yeah. so there's not a lot I could do about it. But it, I, it just hit me in the perfect spot. At least I didn't lose an eye. So, you know, it could be worse. Just bruised <laughs> ego, really. Well, it, yeah, that happens. You're going to get bumps and bruises in this game, no matter how you do it. But anyway, so here's the topic of today's show. A year ago on Primal Radio, I, I disappeared for like a month. I was off the air because I was going through some difficulties, which I'll recap on that. And we're kind of, we're going to touch on what happened, how that all came about, and where I'm at today as a result. And there's a lot of news that I got a lot of stuff to cover. Do you know uh, what happened with Primal Boxing last night? Did you catch that on social media? I saw you've got your third Diamond Gloves champion. No, we have three champions this year. All last night. No, this is just over the course of the year, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. No, this is just last night. Yeah. So we had three. We had three. The Diamond Gloves is a boxing tournament, uh, and we have three champions, which is really pretty excellent. So, and and my boy Scrap fights again next week in his third fight, which will be on ESPN two. We're moving up the step. ladder. Yeah. The big step. So there's a lot of stuff. So. At the end of all this story, we'll bring it back to this. And that was pretty exciting. I'm, Congratulations, so, yeah. Yeah, awesome. look, it's great. Um, I'm very fortunate to have good people around me and work. You know, it, it all works out, I guess, in the end. Yeah. So after all day of teaching, then you go up to, to the event and you get home at like midnight and back up at five in the morning and back up to the gym and they do all this. Anyway, so going back about April of 2018, I was going through 
chaos in my life and in my head. And this has been actually going on. And Tom, feel free to join in anytime. It's not the Jimmy Can't Show. What was going on in my life, it all came to a head at that time with depression and anxiety and everything that has gone through my whole life. And essentially, I tried to kill myself with alcohol. <laughs> so I don't say that funny, but I drank and listened to that. If you uh-huh. can't laugh about these things, you, you have yeah. to cry, right? You can't right? laugh at death. I look at death in the face and laugh. Yeah. Ah, good try, motherfucker. <laughs> so, you know, with all that going on and just kind of isolated, it was a very dark time in my life. And, and it culminated in you know me coming back and sharing this on the radio as to what happened. It was very real, very dark throughout my entire life. And this happens to a lot of people, you know, where you don't feel like you fit in, you feel like you're the square peg in the round hole, you know, that you you don't belong, you don't feel loved. And it's a very tough existence. I talk to people like this quite honestly every day from different walks of life. It's kind of interesting. Maybe that's why I went through it, so I can share my experience, strength and hope with another person about what I've gone through. And I think that's the end part of the story. But last year was just, it was tough, man. And I really essentially, you know, wanted to die pretty much my whole existence for my whole life, despite being this wonderful, <laughs> you know, from the outside, being, you know, this fun guy to be around, fun, entertaining, full of energy, so positive. Really on the inside, I was dead. I had committed suicide, is the term I think is, where I just really was just existing. And, and Tommy made a funny remark like, at one of the shows. I don't remember which show it was. And, and you go, Jim, you know, I feel like I really didn't know you. And I came back and I said, well, Tom, you know, you know, we're in Belgium or wherever we are in the planet. And I wake up depressed, wanting to put a bullet in my head. And I go, well, you know, never mind that. Let's work the pox out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we never do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Do you remember that? And, I was going to say, we never do the pack sale, but yeah, I know you mean. Yeah, whatever, right. Well, forgive me for that indiscretion. You know, how do you shit? So you have to go when you're living that life from a real dark place where it's very lonely and to being who you are. If you don't share it, then people right. will obviously draw their own conclusions. And I'll, I'll interject with a little, right. I guess, the point of view of how it affected me. Right. Because obviously I'm the world's most important human being. <laughs> you, you <laughs> no, know that, this is true. What I'd heard in the past, and I guess I always knew you as this fun guy who goes to seminars, and we've had the pleasure of hanging out in Belgium and Italy, and people had said to me in the past, Mick and Hock as example, people that care about you, had said, uh, maybe even Tim Tackett, you know, don't let Jim near the drink, or Jim's got a drink problem, but, you know, he shouldn't be drinking or something like that. Right. And I shared a beer with you, and it's, you've been absolutely fine, and it's not really been an issue, right? Right, never. In my experience. So that's all I knew. And then through this podcast experience, obviously, we've become closer. And when I first said yes to doing this, I had no idea where it was going to go. I mean, it wasn't a podcast at the time, you know, whether it was going to work out. Right. And one day, we were lining up to interview Mike Belzer, who we ended up doing about nine months later in the end. And I just got a message from you saying, literally, ill. There was nothing like, I'm ill, I, you know, I can't make it into work today or something <laughs> like that. It was just ill. And I knew something was up then. And then I basically couldn't get hold of you for like, you know, we'll call it something like six weeks. Sure. And what emerged, and you, you spoke to Asif, who's a doctor in the UK here, who's one of our students at JKD London, and he diagnosed you all he'd actually listened to the show and was worried and said I need to speak to Jim and he said after chatting to you that he diagnosed you with type 1 bipolar and the drinking is a sort of self-medicating process oh no doubt (laughs) and here's why you do it because you go with the bipolar bipolar affective disorder type 1 which is what he diagnosed you with and then I went and sought help here and I said hey this is this is what you're, what's going on. Now, mind you, I'm 50 years old. This has been going on for my entire life. But you never knew that before. Never. Right. Never even fucking heard of it. Right. So you're dealing with this insanity in your head, qu- trying to quiet those voices that are going on in those deep, dark, whatever is going on in your brain and, the, and, and replaying anxiety and 
fear and anger nonstop. I, and it was nonstop chatter in my head. I knew it'd be days I wouldn't sleep because of the noise and what was going on and the racing thoughts. And you're thinking, who do you share this with? Who can you say this with? You know, in my own thought process, you know, I was a slave to myself of unforgiveness, like this, this fear, this bitterness, this loneliness, this despair, this rage. I hated myself. Day in, and I remember, by the way, the first time wanting to commit suicide at like seven years old. Wow. That's pretty pathetic. Now, this is an honest thought of a child wanting to fucking jump off a bridge because you didn't deserve to live. This is my whole life, right? To what degree is this like a constant? I mean, is this like every day or is it like, you know, you're great for two weeks and then like these thoughts enter your head or something like that? I guess it's kind of like the tide of the ocean. Sometimes it's high tide, sometimes it's low tide. You know, sometimes there's a storm, sometimes it's calm. And sometimes that storm can last a long time. Well, the, but know? the tide is like regular and predictable. No, it's never predictable. Is it not? Okay. You would think, but not for me it wasn't. If it was, maybe I developed a high tolerance for that fear and anxiety that I lived in for so long that I was just able to manage it. You know, and I use that, you know, when I would train and box or do whatever I said, I was able to attack anything with a great intensity. My focus on things could be intense, probably as a result, because if I let any noise or light in, it would be a distraction. And then long and short of it. So when he diagnosed me with that, I got the help. So that's how you went. I would go and medicate. And I could go long spans of time. I didn't drink every day. I didn't do drugs and shit. Not for a lifetime. I did them a long time ago and just stopped them. That's how you shut it off. It got where you just would have to drink and drink and drink and to numb your feelings. And part of the bipolar affective disorder type one is there's a lot of mania. <laughs> I'm manic. I got a lot of goddamn energy. A lot of it. All the time. For me... I would go, 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 not sleep, not sleep, not sleep, manage it however it would be. And then without any sort of uh, indication, if there were signs I'm oblivious to them, it was pretty much, I think I used this expression before, you're driving down the highway and you drove off a cliff. You didn't see that the road didn't continue. Yeah. It was that sudden. Boom. You know, I would really wanted to die and wanted to kill myself in that fashion, which is a, you know, extraordinarily painful. I tried to commit suicide in other ways, and there's stories behind that, but uh, which I hadn't shared yet. So this mental uh, condition I have, you know, had to, had to be addressed. So it came to that spot last year, with, which put me in that position. You know, I scared a lot of people. I realized a lot of people loved me and actually a lot of people cared for me, you know. But when you're in that hell, and people tell you it will get better. It's hard to believe. It gets to a point where suicide is absolutely a reasonable thought. It's not scary at all. It may even seem attractive. Uh, right, because it shuts. It's right, better, that, yeah. So, I mean, I was there. You know, I lived it. It was a very reasonable thing for me to do. And I'll go back a little bit earlier at another time, not at this time, because I, I didn't have, I, I just didn't take it that far, but I actually had a gun in my mouth and pulled the trigger. And uh, the gun didn't go off. It's a, whew, I haven't even thought about this in age, so this was a little bit before that. So I had a gun in my mouth. I'm in my basement. I just, it was done. It was over. You, you, you make a decision about something and you go, you know what? I'm good. And however this ends. And quite honestly, when people will say, well, gee, he didn't think about his family. Here's the thing. I was thinking about my family. I thought they'd be better off without me because I caused them so much pain. And by me not being here, they'd be better off. That was my thought. You got me? So I wasn't that I wasn't thinking about my family. When people say, you know, the term, the coward's way out gets applied to, to people who commit them. suicide. Fuck <laughs> Okay. If they knew, I'll address that, right? If they knew the amount of pain and fucking suffering I want to go to that position, how dark it was, how dark it was just to get up in the morning, yeah. take a fucking shower and brush your teeth, you know, do whatever it is. It, it, it is, I, I, 
look, you can't say, but I anybody have to go through that seriously needs help, right? Um, I, that wasn't available to me or for whatever. I didn't even let anyone know this was going on in my head, which is a, the, the insidiousness of the disease or that thought process because you're in doing it all alone. You know, I, I want, I guess I wanted help. I guess I don't know why I didn't ask, but anyway, so that's the coward's way out. Well, they've never been through that aspect. So they, they can't say it. I know I've had a fucking gun in my mouth and pulled the fucking trigger. Bam! You had the intention. No, there was bullets in it. The gun didn't go off for whatever reason. Uh, how I was anyway. Do you know how to didn't... work a gun? <laughs> What's that? Do you know how to work a gun? If I hadn't cocked it or had the yeah. safety on or something like that. Pretty goddamn good, right? Do you consider that a bit of a miracle? Well, yeah, I'm going to finish the story. Okay. I don't think I've ever shared this with anybody. Let alone the millions of fans around the world. Look, there's a reason why the gun. It was a stupid mistake on my part. But I'm, I, the world is a better place now that that didn't happen. <laughs> Agreed. Was this years ago? Or was this last year? No, no, a couple of years. Okay. So I pulled the trigger. And then what happened is right at that moment in time, I know this sounds fucking totally crazy, the phone rings, right? And as the phone rings, you have call, you know, a, a device, which is a caller ID. This is a number of years ago. So on the caller ID, it says... God loves you. I shit you not. This is what says on my caller ID. God loves you. Right? Yeah, amazing. And I went, well, that's a little fucked up. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that takes you for like, how does this happen? Okay, so you go through that process. You're like, okay, you kind of get pissed. Okay, now it's time to do it again. And I'm just sitting there in emptiness in, in my spot. And then... I'm thinking, okay, now it's time to do it again. I didn't put the gun back in my mouth. But I'm, I'm sitting there ready to do it again. And the phone, this is only like a couple of minutes. It's not like it's hours later. It's a couple of minutes later, two minutes later. The phone rings again. God loves you. Sounds up on the fucking caller ID. And I'm going, this is fucking extraordinary. Right? And then it happens, by the way, a third time. Three times it comes up, God loves you. And I go, what the heck? So, <laughs> I used better words than that. So then I, I checked the call ID and I called the number back. Maybe talk to the almighty himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as it turns out, it was a pastor. And the name of the church was God Loves You Baptist Church, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And he was trying to call his wife, an elderly gentleman, to her cell phone. And he had misdialed the phone on a couple of occasions. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Randomly called me. And I'm talking to him. And then he thought it was funny, a little chuckle. And then he goes, remember, son, God loves you. Have a, you know, God bless you. One of those kind of things. Did you tell him what was happening? Sorry, I'm interrupting. No, no. No, I didn't tell him. I would have done. <laughs> and, and then you're just going, wow. Now, was that completely accidental or is the universe on purpose? That's one of those questions. You'll never know, right? Uh, how did that happen in that moment in time? What are the odds of that happening at that specific moment? Are you religious? Not religious, spiritual. There's a huge difference. The difference between spirituality and religion is that religion is for those who are afraid to go to hell and spirituality is for those who've been there. Big difference. Did you get that? <laughs> I like that. It took, took a little bit to register, but I like it. I know. Well, there's the time delay between here and the UK. <laughs> Jet lag. Jet lag. And it's so weird how, and I'll get into this on how your body can actually feel that emotion right now. Right now, I actually feel like that just happened. Yeah. And there's science behind that, too. Uh, so I survived that. And then, so that thought process, I guess, as we talked about, the waves coming in and out had gone away. And you still feel better. You start doing things for yourself. And then it always came back because of this disorder. And then I went, as I said earlier, to uh, shrink and got some medication and got diagnosed and kind of figured this out. It's been a year and a half and I haven't missed a, a step, right? But shortly after that, they put you on some medication. I would never suggest this for anybody. I decided I didn't want to be on the medication. Mm, that concerns me. I'm getting there. I've taken care of it. So I, I, it should concern you. Let me just talk about that. So what Asif said is he said the type 1 bipolar will only get worse. And right. that there is medication that will address that negativity, et cetera, et cetera. 
as you said earlier, like the mania element is like it used to be referred to as manic depressive rather than bipolar. And what right. that means in practice is you're incredibly high and energetic and bubbly, which which is who you are. And then on the other side, you can flip to being incredibly depressed. This medication will sort of numb those extremes. So you could potentially lose a bit of that massive character and energy and working 17 right. hours a day through taking it. However... Right it may be necessary to keep you from not crashing again. And right. as I understand from the likes of, you know, talking to Hockett, and I think from, from you as well, this is something that happens to you on a, on a regular, albeit unpredictable basis. Every couple of years, every year and a half or something like that. Much sooner than that. They may have only been aware of it at those times. They're not privy to everything. It's more often, you mean? Well, oh, yeah, it was, yeah guess from talking to some of those guys you know it might be like we've got Jim booked in to do x y and z and we're filming whatever it might be and then suddenly they can't get hold of you and then right. that reliability bit you know I think they, they talk about sort of you know trust and friendship all those things like you know building those things up building a right. reputation up is like you know going up the stairs and losing it is like going down in a lift right or an elevator as you would call it in the US <laughs> yes what is your perception on how it has affected other people? And I would imagine that you find it then very difficult to say, go and talk to these people. And you've probably lost some friendships along the way. And I would imagine that must fill you with anxiety. Oh God, you know, I've, 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 I've let someone down or whatever it might be. Now I can't talk to them or something like that. So I, I was talking about with you and Hock, like, oh, you need to call Hock when I was in Belgium. And I was wondering, you know, I was speculating. It was so funny. I know. It was just Is the reason that you hadn't spoken to him because you were like feeling a bit like, oh, I've had one of those things again. No, you knew that. I talked to Huck when he was there. I did know that. I know a lot of the answers to these questions, but the listeners right. don't. That's why oh, I have to sometimes re answer. They're not in things. my head. No. Okay, so, so I'll address all that stuff. So, yeah, that one particular time, I, I was just swamped with shit and I hadn't gotten right back to him. That was all. And I shot him a message and it was fine. And going back, so when you talk about feeling guilty and all that stuff, hey, guess what? That's what happened. And I didn't really lose any friends uh, or relationships as a result because I really pretty much kept it contained. If you guys really knew the insanity I was going through, maybe. And I'm 100% guilty of letting people down when stuff happened, 100%, and I own that. But here's how you handle it. You cannot live that way forever. You cannot think every time you speak to that person and we live that what had happened because you will be in jail, meaning your own personal head, right? And you have to get out of there. So you have to forgive yourself. You have to learn how to forgive yourself, how to forgive yourself and how to deal with it. Now, if there was or there is a particular person who can't get beyond that, that is on them, yeah. not on me. Now it has been like 489 days and I have worked at getting my head through a whole series of things. Yeah. Wrapped and be totally focused on what I do. Doesn't mean I'm not depressed or not depressed, but you know, get whatever. But I handle it the proper way because I literally practice this shit every single day. So I can't relive that at all in any way. So I don't get caught up in it at all. So to be brutal, it doesn't bother me. So I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but it does. It can't. It's a prison. I feel bad that I hurt Tom's feelings or something like that. Yeah. But at some point in time, when are you allowed to stop feeling bad about that? Is there a magic number? Yeah, agreed, agreed. I mean, the people that care about you must understand. They need to understand. And, and that they're, if they're right. good friends, they're going to be there for you. I guess one of the difficult elements maybe in the past is people didn't understand. Well, now they do. <laughs> if they've listened to our show, Yeah. <laughs> I find it hard to believe they didn't listen to our show. Just for reference, it's show 20. Well, let's just look back on that for a second. So if the listeners go and listen to show 20, this was really fresh. I mean, like literally you'd been sort of, I guess, sober for a few days and you were committed to, I'm going to tell my story on the show and I think it'll be good for me. And I was worried personally about, would Jim suffer some reputational damage? Will, will he regret it? You know, he feels like doing it now. Will he regret it a week later? Is it going to be really emotionally draining and tough? Looking back on that show, any regrets? Or ha how do you feel about it? Have you listened back to it at all? I've never listened to it. Interesting. And there's no reason why I don't listen to a lot of Russian. 
<laughs> we need the listens, mate. You should be listening. I do. I need to like, share, uh, all that. I forgot all that stuff. No, I have no regrets. It doesn't matter to me. It is what it is. I am free of that self constant criticizing on every level. Awesome. And, and that is a process. I, I cannot live that way. I lived it for my entire life, that constant critical loathing. And it was, it was excruciating. Doesn't mean sometimes it doesn't come around, but I dismiss it relatively quickly. And I have to, because you can't survive that way. Then that's what's going to drive you back out. Because you can change, you know, the way you think and the way you where you live by your thoughts because the mind body spirit is absolutely all one thing you've learned a lot about yourself and i guess how to attempt to i guess fix the situations you've been over the years like through reading education could you share for us a bit more about how you address these things for the benefit of people who might go through a similarly tough time and maybe feel in a similar way it's not easy. There is no thing. But whether it's meditation or mindfulness, uh, there's audio hypnosis, there's all kinds of things, the positive things, the books, constantly searching for a variety of ways I can do it martial arts to, to find out what worked for me. And when I tell people, I can do a lot of med- like the, the other night I got up, I got up at 3.30 in the morning and I meditated for 30 minutes straight before I went to the gym. And I was at the gym till 10 o'clock that night without any energy deficit, and I ate three tomatoes. <laughs> that was what I had all day. I do meditation on a regular basis. Sometimes it's two minutes, sometimes two minutes. I use a variety of breathing exercises and yoga. There's a constant barrage of trying to improve myself. I had to teach myself. I had to read all these books. And I, here's the key I had to put into practice. So when I talk about this or other people talk about um, how you go about rewiring your brain, People go, I tried meditation. It doesn't really work. We've heard that. Have you tried meditation? What happened? Yeah, it didn't work for me. (laughs) So here you go. So that's like saying exercise doesn't work. Look, I went to the gym yesterday. I did a push-up. Nothing happened. You follow? Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Right. It's the fucking same thing. How do you expect if you tried to meditate one time, two times, three times, five times, ten times, that all of a sudden you're going to be a goddamn monk on the top of a mountain somewhere, right? Chanting. doesn't work like that. Nor does physical fitness or whatever you're trying, endeavor you're trying to achieve. It takes a constant, consistent effort to do it. And you will fail every time. And every time you fail forward, as they say, a little bit more. Maybe instead of 10 seconds of meditation, you got 12. That's how it works. Understood. And that's exactly what I've done. Now, whether it's meditation or it's reading or self-improvement things or meetings or whatever it might be, it's very interesting that there's always people, not saying this about you, who are looking to find a problem with your solution. It's so true. Oh, that well, how about they'll immediately, like you address something and you'll talk to them and they'll say, well, that won't work because of this. Here's the top 10 reasons why you're going to fail. I try not to engage those individuals in conversations, <laughs> and like in-depth conversations, you know, because I, I don't want to hear it. I want to know why something works. I want to be open to things and try to filter through that set to, to understand how I work and how I tick. So anyway, so through those, there's all kinds of different sciences that are just absolutely on the forefront of how you can rewire your brain. And it absolutely fascinates me. There's a guy out there, named, uh, there's a couple of guys who I really read a lot in their books. One guy's Joe Dispenza, and another guy's Bruce Lipton. And they got YouTube videos out, and their books out, and there's all kinds of stuff. And, and it's how you can go back and rewire your brain. And I have absolutely spent uh, the past year on how to do this. And there's different things. For example, uh, can I give you a rundown on this? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Go. Are please. you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Don't avoid it. Okay, essentially, I'm going to top line. And I believe this to be true. And this is the first time I was able to put things in practice and see actual results. About 5% of our brain is conscious, right? 95 is subconscious. Hence, when we do our martial arts, when we do our boxing, our stick drills, you have to get so good that the movement pattern is subconscious. 
you can't think about it. The hands start to drop because that's how we live. So when you're a little kid, let's assume, right, and you were told all these negative things, you're ugly, you're not smart, you're dumb, you fuck this up, right? That tape recorder, when we're, I think it's called the Thetamine. So when you're from zero to seven, you're just learning all these things, right? You're a tape recorder, you're a VCR, you're videotape, whatever it is. And then, so you have no conscious thought. So that just gets replayed. When we get older, since we're only in our conscious mind about 5% of the time, right? So yeah, I'm going to think positive thoughts. I'm going to think I'm going to attract wealth and all that stuff. What happens is once I stop consciously focusing on something, that subconscious mind takes over. And all of a sudden, that negative thought comes in, right? I'm going to be late. The fucking traffic sucks. It comes this big swirl of negativity because that's how we're trained to think. And that happens all the time. You can go back in there and rewire that, but it takes work through all the things I've talked about, through meditation and mindfulness and stuff like that. So when a negative thought comes into my mind and, and, and bad things and outcome, which I am still victim to, they still come, I immediately am a watcher of my thoughts. I think about it and I decide I don't need to pay attention to that. It was just a random thought. I don't have to have an opinion on every thought. I just let it be. One of the things, one of my favorite authors, Eckhart Tolle. Have you heard of Eckhart Tolle? No. He wrote, you know, The Power of Now, you know, being in the Oh, right, yeah, okay. Right, right. It's really good stuff. It's really tough to do. The big philosophy is that nothing has ever happened in the past and nothing will ever happen in the future. It all just happens in the present. And that's a true statement. It's pretty deep. We got to smoke a little dupe (laughs) (laughs) to understand it. But that's true. Sounds a little hokey finucky, but you know, the past were always for me, especially someone who's in my condition, I'm always regretting my past, what I did, how bad it was. I was too stupid. I didn't try hard enough. If I'd only done this, all this negative shit, this swirling energy going around in my head, regretting the past and failures and blah, 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 right? And then, of course, the anxiety and the fear of the future. Two things I have zero fucking control of, and I'm worried about that, except for what I'm missing is the present moment right now, enjoying my children. Enjoying this moment with you. (laughs) (laughs) And that is really tough. This might not be for everybody, but I'm telling you that this works for me. That's one of the things I practice. Now, it doesn't mean you're not, well, you have to think about tomorrow. Of course, I'm not saying that. But there's things that you just can't control and you got to be okay with it. Practice detachment. You can own something, but it should never own you. Yeah. A car, a relationship, whatever it might be. And again, that's really tough because we go attached to it. So we talk about earlier in other shows about scrap and like, you want him to be a world champion. I've been, he's been with me for a number of years and he's doing fantastic, but I am detached from the outcome, which sounds so fucked up to the average guy. I get it, but I really am. It doesn't mean I won't care if he falls off a cliff or something like that. <laughs> of course you do. But the overall picture of it all, that it, it doesn't define me of who I am, nor does my past. Yeah. Or what I do for a living. You yeah. know, you could be the most fantastic guy in the world and be, you know, uh, pack groceries at the supermarket, you know, or whatever they do in the UK. I don't know. You know, people, you know, maybe a window washer. It doesn't seem that great, but maybe you're a great father. Maybe you've helped the town, you know, you know just because you have that big job, that big car and all that stuff doesn't mean you're necessarily a good person. Well, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think you can be rich in lots of ways. There's a lot of rich people who sort of like, they're so unhappy with themselves. I think I was watching David Goggins, of one of his videos, and he was talking about how, you know, they need one more car, they need another holiday, they need another house, whatever it might be, and they're still unhappy. And then equally, you've got, at the other end of the spectrum, you might have someone who's got a dog and a couple of young kids, but they've got no money to speak of, and they're on welfare. But, you know, fundamentally, they're quite happy. Right. Because they've got love in their life, and, you know, maybe they just, like, they watch TV, and they've got time to spend with their kids and play video games or whatever they like doing, you know? Right. It's really true. As I go through this process, and I don't know where I'm at in this process, I might fail big time. (laughs) I certainly hope not. For me, I have to keep forging forward and believe that I'm on the right path. It really feels right what I'm doing and how I present myself and go through my life. I have challenges every day. And sometimes you wake up and you're like, fuck, I've got 18 hours of work ahead of me. That's a, a normal day for me. And I go, how am I going to do that? Well, if I don't meditate when I get up, that happens. <laughs> if I meditate, that doesn't happen, which is kind of funny. And so, but, so if I don't, I get up, I'm in a hurry. I run, I'm like, oh, all this 
this big pile of work I have to do, and uh, I'm able to get through it if I, if I do meditation at mindfulness, positive affirmations, I am at whatever it might be. You do another thing, by the way, uh, which Lipton talks about, uh, which I find fascinating. It's called audio hypnosis, which I'm sure you know. It's kind of like listening to a positive tape when you're going to sleep. Do you ever, you ever do something like that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, sorry, I was eating a crisp. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So that set of mind we talked about happens it's still in our brain. So we, when it's when reality and your dreams are kind of in between. You can't really tell. Like you wake up to a song or whatever. I was just dreaming about this. So when you're going to sleep, you listen to whether it be music or it was a, a positive affirmation tape, you can start to rewire your subconscious mind as a result of doing that. It expedites the process. So I do that pretty much every night as I'm going to go to sleep. Like if I'm watching a horror movie, I might have nightmares, right? Yeah. Same concept. And it helps to kind of rewire that and bring you to another level. Of, I don't get as negative as much. I'm not as focused on that. I'm focused on, on other things. So that he's, but you got to check him out. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that I find, and it's all science based. That is fascinating, and I've read, god dang, tons on this stuff, and I'm no expert on it. So please don't quote me on any particular thing that I know. But what I know is what I'm doing is working. You know, I, I work a ton of stuff, uh, hours, and I'm managing a lot of people and a lot of different things at many different levels, and I don't really falter, trip fall down. You know, I might trip and stumble a little bit, meaning, okay, there was five minutes of negative thinking, <laughs> but I'm getting better and I can handle it. There's a great story. Did I ever tell you the story? I might have shared it in the past about the bamboo tree story. Have you heard this? Go on. I don't Shoot. know. Okay. So essentially, whether it's business or your life or whatever it might be, or success and motivation, the story goes that if you plant the bamboo seed in the soil and you take care of it, let's say a potting plant, Nothing will happen for five years. You got to water it. You got to take care of it. Or not a plant, but in the ground. And you got to keep nurturing. And, and your friends and your family watch you. Tom, you're out there watering the mud. What are you doing? See, what's happening in that time span, right? See, when the bamboo finally breaks the soil, it's the fastest growing plant on the earth. It'll grow something like a foot a day. You know, it'll go yeah. 90 feet before you know it. In five weeks, it'll go to be about 90 feet. But what happened in those five years? right? It was growing the biggest, deepest roots of any plant on the earth. So the question is, did that bamboo tree get 90 feet in five weeks or did it get 90 feet in five years? You see where I'm going with that? Yeah. So when I'm working, so it's a constant process. So often we do things in success where people don't say, gee, you're doing this, you're not getting paid or you're not doing this. Or why would you do that? Because there's no direct response. You're not getting paid immediately. There's no people cheering you on because it's kind of in secret to go after that success has happened in my business i learned today that the panda is the dumbest of all the bears because all it eats is bamboo and there's not enough nutrients in it <laughs> well this is why you went to this seminar <laughs> it came up when we were eating kfc afterwards that's so funny <laughs> that's like a random conversation right yeah yeah that's funny I forget who, where I actually heard that originally, but with the with my business, I spent a lot of years. Geez, let me look at this. I have a note on this hours over the past year, which you're going to go fucking insane for. All right. So it's been, and this is a true number, and I don't do this as an Maybe it's a, a form of my insanity. So I've not I've not taken a day off or a sick day in 489 days, 70 straight weeks, seven days a week working, seven days a week. Yeah incredible i have not been sick and there's a whole reason behind that because <laughs> i'm superman so the hours i've worked in one year if you want from april to april i'll just give you that number probably because of my illness but it's because i have the, the gym and i have the, the fight league and i manage fighters of course we have primal radio to work on but you do most of that now in one year i worked 5928 hours so that's approximately 18 hours a day five days a week 12 hours a day two days a week so if you put that in perspective, a 40-hour work week is approximately 2,080 hours a year. Yeah, right. So I worked 2.85 years inside of one year. Incredible. I have enough time to come home and shit, shower, and shave. <laughs> do the radio show and go back. No, I do that to build it. I don't want it to be that way because there's a lot of mistakes in there and stuff that 
you fail as you get better, you become more efficient, become smarter. You learn things, you put things in place. But when you start off a business like that all by yourself without a fucking clue how to do it, the fight league, like it takes up a, a, a huge amount of time as well. That's growing next year. I'll probably do 15 shows next year. That's a lot of shows, boxing, MMA, kickboxing, yeah. because it's wrong. Now, in, now, right now, I can't do it. I'm putting people in place to do that. But it takes time to put those people in place, you know? Sure. Those are all positive things. As far as my, my personal life, all I do is I do the meditation. I do my stretching, my breathing. In throughout the course of the day when I have breaks, I literally go to work and I come home at night. On Saturday night, I read for five or six hours if I don't have a fight to go to and study and, and pass out. <laughs> That's my excitement. I mean, last time we had to go to fights and stuff like that. But it's all working out really well. I'm pretty happy. I'm not really overly concerned with anything because of when I put all these things into practice on a daily basis, it all falls in line. You know, and it's tough. How I get rid of like a, a past regret or a trauma or something like that. So anytime there's a strong emotion with something, you know, it alters us biologically, physically, whatnot, whatever it might be. And our focus narrows to whatever happened. That's why years later, and often it'll, it's what's called a trigger. If your parents yelled at you in a certain manner with a certain tone of voice, it will immediately bring you back to that state. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Makes sense. Or, or maybe a girlfriend or a wife. Hey, you never do this. And every time they use that inflection in their voice, it automatically brings you back to that worst case scenario. So when something like that happens in your life, especially when we're sick like this, it just expands upon it. Like that pain is an ever living memory. So what happens is every time I'm near Tom, <laughs> I relive that emotion over and over and it becomes more and more intense. And then I get to what's called I'm in survival mode. I'm just trying to survive and I shut down all the other aspects of my personality in my life just so I can ensure that that feeling will never happen again. Sure. Oh, by the way, that's stress and stuff. And that translates in my spirit and in my body. Weight gain, maybe stuff like that. Diabetes, heart problems, blood pressure. It all starts with that. So part of Lipton's and D'Souza's stuff talks about how you can go about and work that and fix and change your biology through your mind. It's really pretty fascinating. Wim Hof does it, for God's sake. And it's been proven by science. So I spend a lot of time on that. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's hours. And I think it's gone pretty well. Remember on one of our shows, you talked about, who would you like to meet? 37 questions, how to fall in love with someone or something. Was it that show? Could have been. Could have been. I don't know the question. Quite, you haven't told me. The question was, uh, who would you? Yes, it is. I said, it is. who would you like to interview or meet? Oh, like the dinner dream dinner guest or something like that. That was it. Yeah. The dream right. So mine was Wayne Dyer, who's like an American Deepak Chopra. It's sort of. He's a philosopher. He's got great books. I read his first book twenty five years ago. It was a Roger Dizone. It was funny. We talked about one of the shows. I've read all these books on how to change myself and how to do things, but I did nothing about it. Yeah. Big deal. Massive. Massive. You can have be full of knowledge and do nothing about it. That, that's what, uh, not to always wrap it around the martial arts. I saw this on YouTube. You, have you ever practiced it before? Have you ever tried? Have you ever field tested? Or you just bought this one guy who's got a fancy channel on there and do your thing. And he has some great quotes. I'm going to list these five things that Dyer talks about, which I try to practice. Some days it's easier than others. So one of the things is, and he has this great quote, says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Like that. I'll say it again. When you when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. What you focus on is what you'll get. That's the law of attraction. Another great book, The Secret, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Even that's all. But it's true. You change your perspective on things. That doesn't happen by accident. Just thinking, well, I'm just going to think positive doesn't just happen. It's like doing one push-up, like I said earlier, and expecting to get in shape. And this is an inside job. He talks about a story of keys, which I thought was fascinating. He says, you know, there's a guy. He lost his keys in his house, and the power goes out. And he can't find his keys anywhere because he can't see. There's no light in the house. And he looks out the window, and he sees that there's the street lights on. 
So he goes, let me go out there and look for my keys. So he goes outside. He's looking for his keys, you know, in the grass under the street light. And the neighbor comes up to him and goes, what are you doing? Because I, I, I lost my keys. I'm trying to find my keys. And the neighbor goes, do you know where you lost them? He goes, I lost them in my house. And the neighbor says, well, why are you looking on the outside for something that you lost on the inside? Good story, right? Yeah, yeah. We're always looking for it. The grass is always greener, that yeah. kind of thing. So it's interesting thing. So looking at things and how, how I view life and how I view people and their circumstances has actually changed how I live. There's a, a number two thing was there are no justified resentments. Whoa, that's a tough one. Because, you know, she did this, he did this. Like they pissed me off. Fuck them. I hate them forever, right? Totally agree. And a lot of times, you know, you're probably not far from the truth. But the story he tells about, or the situation he talks about, is that nobody has ever died from a snake bite. So nobody's ever died from a snake bite. What does that mean? You don't die from the snake bite. You die from the venom that flows through your blood, which could be a long, slow, painful death. Yeah. And I, I went, God damn, that's good. It's so true. I'm pissed at you because of this. And I relive this thought process in my head. And I keep rewriting this scenario over and over and over again. If Tom says this to me, well, I'm going to tell him, fuck you. And I'm going to do this. I'm sure you've had these scenarios in your head about me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's so true, isn't it, though? Right? Again, that is real tough to come to terms with. Because people have may have done something really wrong to you. For what, put it in whatever perspective you need to. What you think is what you become. Christ says that. As you think, so shall you be, right? I mean, that's true. Yeah. You think you're a loser, you're a loser. You think you're going to fail at something, you're right. You'll probably fail. You know? It's very true. So the, coming to, to, to a, something with a different perspective, looking for the possibilities, the potentiality of something, as opposed to why it won't work. So when I throw an idea, by the way, at my office, my office, my gym, and talk to guys, I'll say, what do you think about? It's so interesting. I think it is. And sometimes they do it to fuck with them. I go, what do you think about this? This big idea. And then I sit back with my hand on my jaw like I'm the smart one. And <laughs> lean back in my chair. And you'll hear, well, that won't work. And they'll list again, like I said earlier, all these reasons why it'll fail or whatever it'll be. And I just take it in without having any opinion on it. But I want to look at why something will work. That's what we talked about. Open to everything and attached to nothing. When I look at things to study, I try not to be overly judgmental on it, you know? And then he has another, which is great. And this would stand so true. And I think this is, is don't die with your music still in you. Meaning whatever that song is that's in your soul, you need to let out. Now people do that at different, whatever that is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be, like I said, you have to be a rock star. Oh, that would probably be nice. But, and, and work toward that. So when I go back in my store and I had a real job and, hated my job and left that to kind of pursue this aspect. That's what I'm trying to do, I guess, at whatever level. Because you don't want to sit there on your deathbed and think, what has my whole life been wrong? People are talking about what they didn't do, not what they did, right? You've heard that story, right? Yeah, I feel like that with my, I say my job, I'm not working at the moment, but like the kind of jobs that I've been working in, you know, it's not the right thing for me. It's not me but you get trapped and the money's all right or whatever it might right. be. So you don't do what truly is for you. Right. I just wanted to say one thing that I think feeds in quite well to what you were saying, all, all of those quotes. I think it was Jordan Peterson that was saying it, but he was saying, he was talking about change. And he said, in order for someone to change or something to change, right. there's like a three-step process. Number one is accepting there is a problem. Right now, a lot of people, it's like they're just in denial there even is a problem that's there or they sure. haven't recognized that there's a problem there. So I might, for example, say there is a problem with I'm working in jobs that I don't really feel passionate about and enjoy. The number two thing is you say, I am the problem, which is about owning that and saying, right. I am the thing that needs to change, not it's everyone else's fault, which I think feeds into one of the quotes that you, you just referenced. And then the final step is taking action now. Because if you know both of those things, but you don't do anything about it and you don't start now, I mean, you've talked so many times about the importance of doing things immediately. 
Right. You said you read all these books, but you didn't act upon them in the past, which is a perfect example. So I, I like that three <laughs> okay. steps to making a change. That's great. No, absolutely. That's very true. That's what you got to do. And action at the end of the day, you want to lose weight, you want to get better, you want to get out of your head, you have to work on it. If there's no magic bullet that I have found, and when I work on these things, that makes me centered. And it is a process. It's something, like I said, which I do every day. And so far, it is working magically. It was interesting when you were saying what Jordan Peterson said about prompts. Of course he got prompts. Tony Robbins talked about it. You can't plant a garden and say, oh, look how beautiful my garden is and ignore the weeds. Because the weeds are going to come. Yeah. You got to get in there and weed the fucking garden. You got to get down and dirty and solve that issue. You know? One of the things that was interesting going through this process, too, is learning to say no. <laughs> and the, the, the book, The Art of How Not to Give a Fuck, has been fantastic. <laughs> and knowing your boundaries and limitations of how you have people treat you, that's when you're talking about how people, the girl or the guy always attract that bad relationship. That's the energy that they're giving out. They attract the exact same loser back into their life. Yeah. Just in a different suit. I think there was another Jordan Peterson one was like, so many people have friends themselves that they wouldn't wish for other people. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. I can think of certain people that I've had, you know, kind of people that you lend them money and they they never give it back on time or something like that. Or like even the fact they need to borrow the money in the first place is a slightly weird friendship. Or they're just terrible whenever they have a drink. They're a nightmare and they're rude to you and this and the other. Yet you continue to hang out with them, whatever it might be. Right. I like that one. But I think it's the kind of thing I'm only starting to act upon on in my wise old age. In your wise old age. Right. No, it's uh, it's true. It's kind of, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. I try to do as much reading on these topics. And sometimes I highlight, go through things. I borrow the brilliance from different things. And some of the guys I, I, I look at, like, I'll just give a little, like Alan Watts. Even though Alan Watts is, he's pretty brilliant. He died in like 1973. If you go on YouTube, you'll find a lot of Alan Watts stuff. Really kind of deep, sometimes too deep, a little tough to understand. Wayne Dyer, of course, as far as this new stuff, this epigenetics and stuff, uh, Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton. Eckhart Tolle, one of my favorite authors. Emmett Fox has got some great spiritual stuff. Of course, Tony Robbins, as far as health, food, and stuff, there's two guys, Andrew Saul and Joel Furman, who I find past. Andrew Saul talks about um, orthomolecular medicine, about vitamins and stuff, and Joel Furman, about just part of much natural eating and, and whatnot that so those were just i just they were on my mind because i was looking at stuff so i just figured i'd throw some different things that i've read that i found fascinating you don't have to look at any of those guys or authors or thought processes and own everyone you could just borrow the brilliance of one of those thoughts and stuff and take it and run with it you know <laughs> but i think that might be it in a nutshell and was that too deep tom what do you think I like that and i think some of the points you've made about working on things i was, I was reading john little's book he was talking about losing weight and he said one of the problems is it took you a, a, quite a long time to get fat and for you to lose that fat it's going to take quite a long time you know people expect it to come off really quickly even so though it built true. up over a long period and if you think in the same way it's like becoming the person that you are with your various faults and whatever's gone wrong. Are you talking to me? No, no, no. Like <laughs> generically, I right? I know, but I know. Whoever you are, it's taken a lifetime of sure. experiences and this, that, and the other. So changing and expecting results overnight isn't going to happen. But Never. you need to start now and make changes, etc. <laughs> it's so funny. Should have had this talk with me years ago. <laughs> and maybe, yeah, with myself too. By the way, I am in the middle of this. I have no idea where this road is going to take me, and I'm hoping a long way. But I'm able to share that with people, and I find that in my life, people have come into my life on various issues in their life and problems and stuff, and I don't tell people what to do. You, know, you must do this. I just say, here's what happened to me. Yeah. And this is how I handled it right, yeah. and this is how I handled it wrong. And that is pretty powerful. That's why it's so important. If someone has an issue, a problem, whatever it might be, that if they find the strength in their story to share that with another individual, that is often the greatest medicine you can give somebody because they're no longer alone. I think part of what I was is I was alone on an island by myself, not realizing there's a lot more fucked up motherfuckers than me. <laughs> yeah. You know, there really are. 
people come into your life. And then when I share this with them, because I'm no guru, I know nothing. And then they go, wow, that really helped me out. It could be that kind word, that nice gesture, whatever it might be. That's what I was getting at with the, did I know who the real Jim was comment. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is the answer. And I think right. our relationship is better for the fact that I do know now. And that's the other thing. I wasted a lot of time on a lot of things. Insanity in my brain, the self punishment for being born, whatever it was, I don't want to waste time anymore. I want to be the best person I can be every day. And I have my faults and I try to keep them stuffed as best I can and deal with them and manage them and not explode on people or be angry or mean or whatever, whatever issue might be. I really keep a watch over that behavior and put it in its proper perspective. It is a challenge, but I want to live the rest of my life to be the best person I can be. And that's not for anyone else, but for me. And if I can touch the heart of another person, if I can change one life, yeah, that's what I want. That is a real, that is living a life worth living. I mean, we could probably close out the show on that, but a combination of factors led to, you know, a build up of events in, right. in your life led to uh, what happened last year. Things that were out of your control, other people, some tragedy, some et cetera, et cetera. Such things could happen again in the future. Do you feel like you're sort of well-equipped now to sort of get through that? You can't promise this is never going to happen again, right? That's interesting. You can't promise. I would love there to be like a pure happy ending, right? But life isn't... It's not like suddenly you're going to win the lottery. Life is always difficult and challenging. Yin and yang, balance. But it's how you go about and how you handle those problems. You know, it's putting it in the proper perspective in your mind and where it needs to be and how to address it. Therein lies the challenge. Often we don't know how to do that. And I think I really do now. But I attack this part of my life like I attack working out martial arts. It's my new thing for me. Work out just as hard, but I'm anxious to learn more about how the mind works and how I can be more enlightened, (laughs) more Zen as Black, you know, I had us, we did the Zen test. That's what I'm working on every day. There's a guy, Gary V. He's an entrepreneur in uh, the U.S. And he's got a lot of tapes and he's super smart guy. And he's got a lot of take on entrepreneurs and the mindset and all this stuff. And he goes, there's a lot of guys out there presenting that they've already made it. Do what I do and you'll make it. I'm not that guy. I'm the guy learning how to make it right before your eyes. As you're going, I'm sharing this out because I don't know because there could be a bad ending and I do everything that there's not and I focus on the positives of how it's going to turn out. You can't go, well, if I do this, this might happen and I might fail. I I don't look at it that way. He had an interesting take on that. I thought that guys are faking and I don't fake it. There's nothing fake about me. You've said some quite profound things on this show and on show 20 when you came back to kind of close out the show, if you will. If someone is going through a particularly tough time listening, what would you say to them? Call me. <laughs> uh, don't do that. No. No. Uh, that's good. You know, you got to reach out. And it's tough. got to tell you, we put this wall up ourselves that if I ask for help, I failed. I'm a loser. Being a fighter, that, that surrender of I need help is a really tough one to come for. It's a matter of pride, losing your ego easier said than done on paper. These are the 10 things you do to become enlightened. Well, sounds great, right? And you could do that with martial arts or fitness, right? If you do these 10 things, you'll be Arnold Schwarzenegger. But no one's doing those 10 things. That's a challenge. You got to reach out if you can find that strength and power to do that and allow yourself to forgive yourself. That's a big key. Because a lot of people in these situations, they feel so bad about feeling bad. They feel then they feel bad about feeling bad that they felt bad. You know, <laughs> right? There's the vicious circle. And how do you get beyond that? You know, it's a little bit of faith, you know, in yourself and, and others, and whatever your higher power, spirituality, if you have any, certainly you can tap into all those things and try to get through it. There is people out there. You're not alone. You are not alone. And I thought I was. So that's how I 
bench to get to where I'm at, <laughs> wherever the fuck that is. Hopefully, you know, hopefully I have another 50 plus years on this planet, God willing, <laughs> and uh, I can explore those possibilities. And you'll learn how fragile it is, how fragile, how close I was to not being here, how close I was to, like you said, disappointing and hurting a lot of people at a really permanent level where you can never take that back. You know, suicide's real permanent. There's no survivors. And I was there, but for the grace of God in that moment in time, which was a true miracle in my life, that I'm here and still had to struggle. And just because I got through that didn't mean the struggle was over. And through what transpired last year and through the help of you and others allowed me to somehow dig down deep in my soul and say, I don't want to be that sick motherfucker anymore. I want to go on. I want to be happy, joyous, and free. I want to make other people happy and be okay with who I am. Yeah. And that was a big thing, being okay with who I am. I was never okay with who I am. And I am now. Wow, I can't believe I am okay with who I am. <laughs> Meaning, in general, I still need improvement. I know it might be a surprise, but <laughs> I do need improvement. But that's it. That's it. And then, you know, you can do it. You can do it. You're not alone. That's the key message. Okay, so I wanted to add something you know, at the end here, because, you know, part of the talk of what we went through or what I went through and, and the anxiety and the pain and the suffering and the, the wanting to commit suicide and kill myself. Well, a friend of mine, brother of the JKD Wednesday Night Group, Keith Allen, had committed suicide back in June. Yeah. I've known Keith for about 15, 20 years Super, super talented guy. Always made me laugh. We always had a great time together when I would see him drinking beers and talking shit and exchanging ideas and arguing and debating. It was always fun, always engaging. I didn't see Keith every day, obviously. I saw him maybe once every couple of years because in this JKD world, it's a big world. You run into each other, you see each other at seminars yes. and Facebook or whatever. You know, you communicate with each other. I really liked him. I really cared for him. I had no idea he was in that pain, as we talked about, when you did not know that about me, right? Because it's something we keep very secret. And Keith, I knew pretty well. I mean, as well, I guess you can know another brother in the JKD world. And that never even crossed my mind that he was in that such a dark place. Nor, I'm sure, did it cross his mind that I was in such a dark place, ironically enough. And then I learned basically, uh, I guess, through Facebook that, you know, he had passed away. And I, I don't know how it happened or what was the final thing. But, he, you know, he's, he left you know, three children. I met his son and his daughter and uh, his, his two daughters and one daughter. I didn't meet Emily. I met Lauren. And he has got a grandson. And they wrote a great tribute to him that they love him and they miss him. When you talked about yesterday, that's the coward's way out, you know, like that. And I don't know, I haven't spoken to his children since Keith has passed away and what they think about it or, or the loss and the emptiness, because I'm sure they must feel that if they'd have said something and that if they could have done one more thing or whatever that might be going on in a child's mind, why a parent would kill himself or herself, I don't think there's anything they could have said or done to have stopped it. I think whatever spot he was in, because I was there, there's no going back, and it had to be dark place. And, and Keith was a stand-up guy and a good father. And I know that he it wasn't to hurt anyone else. It was just to relieve his pain. And that's just going from my personal experience. But I wanted to just give Keith you know, uh, his due, a final goodbye, and that I love you, brother, and I miss you. And uh, your kids at least seem like they're doing well. So God bless you, brother, and I'll see you on the other side. So that's what I wanted to say. I echo those sentiments. I, ha I haven't met Keith, but we operate in the same circles. Yes. Under t the Tim Tackett kind of banner. It's incredibly sad to see that happen with anyone. And I'll just caveat, you know, it, using that term, the coward's way out. It, look, it's a tough question. And this is the way, this can be a perception for people. It's like, you know, why couldn't you face your demons and get over them? Sure. As a top interviewer, I'd need to ask those tough questions. Of you know? course. No, no. And, and it is a legitimate question. 
why could you not have reached out and asked for help? Because picking up that phone and getting that intimate with something, letting them that deep into your soul and exposing your open wounds, it's like lifting a thousand pound weight. It's insurmountable. Yeah. And it doesn't seem possible. And that's hard for people who've never experienced that to understand that. It's like trying to describe the color blue to someone who is colorblind. How do you do that? Keith's produced some great fighters and he's one of the guys that is willing to put up videos of himself. Right. And you can see the talent there when it comes to the Salat, Carly, as you guys would call it, and JKD. You can see there's talent there and he's really invested in people like Dennis Paver, probably pronouncing that wrong, you know, his fighter and uh, Sarah, who looks very good. So, you know, look, he was he was a dedicated, lifelong martial artist. And I think this show should really be dedicated to him. That's great. Absolutely. We miss him. And, I, and um, you hope that my message was yesterday is that you are not alone and there is help out there. As tough as it is, you know, it, it, you can get through it and it will get better no matter how dark it is. And I know because I've lived it and I've done it. I've been to hell. I've danced with the devil. And I'm climbing back up that mountain. If I can do it, fuck, man. Anybody can do it. I'm not that bright. I'm not that smart. I'm just pretty. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Keith, God bless you, brother. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.